A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Recording. See if I can remember how to do this. It's been a whole week. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hello, Dumpty Dum. This is Native Heath here. It's been a little while since I've um, done a Dumpty Dum, and I thought I should try and make amends. And the other day I was rooting around in my uh, stationery drawer, and um, I came across a little box. Damn it, where is it? Ah, here it is. Um, and the little box has a little handle on it. And I, out of curiosity, I turn the handle, and this is what happened. that's all you get. How oh, marvellous. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on average in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the prize-winning ram about to bring home the bacon that is Robert Wilson, and with me I have the dodgy lamb kebab that's about to bring on a case of the trots that is... Andrew Horn. And the last part of Ambridge's Sheep Dippers Night Out, folks, is you. This week's Dumpty Dum is again from Native Heath. We thought it was so good that you want to hear it once more. Andrew, if someone wants to send us a Dumpty Dum, how can they do that? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203-031-3105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs, Shambridge for her brilliant voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. Derek tells me his wife has joined a book club this week. Apparently mm. they're reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm. And now he's expecting her to be tied up for the next month. <laughs> On this week's episode, we hear views from Steve, young Keith again, Claire from Hawaii, taking the piss now, aren't they? <laughs> James, Witherspoon, and a mystery person from Melbourne who didn't give their name. But before we crack on, if you fancy a bit of a northeast knees up and, you know, who doesn't, why not head to the Dumpty Dum meetup on Friday the 19th? That's this Friday at 7 p.m. at the Tyneside Bar Cafe in Newcastle. It's organized by Dumpty Dummers Jane and Mia. Everyone's welcome. Further details from the Facebook group Ambridge on Tyne or Ambridge upon Tyne, I beg your pardon. 
or tweet Mia at Fox on a Ledge. That's Mia at Fox on a Ledge. But first, before the calls, let's brace ourselves for Andrew Horn's Ambridge Roundup. We start with Sunday, the one where Jim owns it. A lot of passing conversations around the village today. There was the Tom and Adam catch-up where Tom told Adam he was entering Piggy's crazy competition. And Adam explained why the harvest was 200% easier this year without the pickers. Finding them, accommodating them, humouring them, not to mention saving his energy taking them up the polytunnels. (laughs) <laughs> Eddie meets Nakasha at the cricket after a tip-off from Clary and engineers a meeting via a convoluted makeover plotline. You just know we have a classic Eddie scheme brewing. <laughs> but the emotional heart of the episode remains Green Acres. Jim starts the day in chipper mood, dispensing fun facts about bacon, and ends it having a lovely discussion reminiscing about his wife with Alistair. He reflects how he feels settled for the first time since she died. He needs to put this unfortunate upset behind me. He apologize and apologize to people. I have no power to change the past, but I can choose how I face the future, make amends with my neighbours and get on with my life. It was powerful and pragmatic, and who's to say that he's wrong? Big respect. Hmm. Monday, the one about crazy capers and piggy's revenge. Two lighter plot lines today with plenty of opportunity for the comedy script writers. Nakasha turns up at Grange Farm for Clary's makeover and Eddie asks, do you do men? To which the answer should have been no. Tom may be 38, but he's still a boy. Props to her, though, as she stays and gets Eddie sorted with a facial. Whilst he wangles himself the role of consultant for their bid. An over-engineered plot set up, but light-hearted fun. Especially as Tom wets himself when he hears about it, and we leave him explaining to Nakasha the scams of Eddie Grundy. (laughs) Most of the episode was at the Dower House, with Lillian getting ready for, then overindulging at, her birthday party. Her great idea was to exclude all her family, which is difficult when they live in the same village. This is the second week where Lillian is written out of character, in my view. Sure enough, midway through the evening, Piggy Gate crashes, getting her own back for Lillian Gate crashing her meeting the other week. And then, to add insult to injury, steamrollers the inebriated Lils into taking on the role of trust administrator. Game, set and match, pigoy. Tuesday, the one about hangovers, apologies and princess punch-ups. Back at Greenacres, Jazza is hungover after celebrating surviving day one working for Adam. Jim is happy that everyone is accepting his apologies, but Jazza thinks apologising is a sign of weakness and he shouldn't bother. A coffee for Jim in the bull with hungover Lillian, who also advises never apologise, never explain. And we move to home farm where Adam, Jazza and the useless Rory are literally taking up the polytunnels so that the cherries don't pop due to over-ripening and the delayed <laughs> arrival of the pickers. Alice steams in, chasing the data promised for her pitch. She moans on and on. Nothing so stressful in my life. The scariest thing in my life. And Jazza finally blows up. It's just a job. It's not scary. The real problems are kids out there being abused. This is just an attack of the nerves and self-indulgent. 
Adam gets all high and mighty and insists on an apology and Jazza refuses. So we are left wondering, will Jazz survive day two in his job? Wednesday, the one about talking to trees. This complaining about your job is infectious. Alice has passed it on to Krusty, who's complaining to Clary about privileged clients at the health club. Clary is more concerned about not setting off Chippy Emma when she should really be worried about Parpy, who is soon to be traumatised by the farmer collecting Peppa Pig. Susan, in a good impression of an undertaker, reminds Shula that it's two years since Caroline died. It turns out that Alice's presentation went well, though Shula's, sorry, though Susan's outrage at Jazza's behaviour is given short shrift by Emma, who agrees with Jazza that she's a princess. Shula and Krusty have a heart-to-heart by Caroline's tree. I have to admit I warmed to Shula when she was talking about Caroline. She also showed self-awareness, describing herself as just a nosy, interfering, self-opinionated old bat. But, <laughs> but Krusty had been taking her politeness tablets and responded that she thinks Shula is wise. Thursday is the one about siblings. We have a Will and Ed usual arc of Will tearing into Ed, Ed apologising, then them all calming down and having coffee. Will makes the observation that Ed is only driven by money, hence the working for Timothy. Will's worried, not for Ed, but in case Bev uses any criminal fallout as an excuse to take Parpy away. So Ed lies and says it's all over. A surefire sign this is about to blow up all over again. Toby takes Rex on a birthday surprise date and they have a wonderful picnic with Rosie. This was designed to trigger memories for us of all childhood picnics in glorious weather. Not the usual events where children spill food and sticky drinks and a plague of wasps descend causing chaos. (laughs) Here all is calm and wonderful. The day is marked by Rosie taking her first steps. Mark my words, Pip will no doubt flagellate herself about missing this milestone in an episode soon, so expect incoming whinging. The final sibling was the arrival of Fiona, fed up with Alistair ghosting her. Unfortunately, her appearance spooked Jim, who dashed off to deadhead his roses. He goes on that it was an act of self-pity for him to burden Alistair and Jazz. He feels he's a weak man, deeply ashamed, and that he lacked the moral courage to keep the sorry business to himself and take it to the grave. And finally, Friday, the one about horses, bits and buckets. Ian wakes Adam. No, I didn't, he exclaims in his sleep, but Ian misses the opportunity to pry into Adam's guilty conscience. Instead, he turns up later with a souffle for breakfast. Adam reminds me of Marvin, the paranoid android in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He is so negative. Ian does his best to cheer him up with talk of their next bucket challenge. A night out in the gay village in Birmingham with the youngsters, and they plan their dad dancing. Meanwhile, Fiona and Alistair have a cosy chat, where Fiona finally accepts that Alistair is under oath to Jim not to spill the beans. They nip over to the stables to deliver a horse. Alistair obviously wants to get Fiona away from Shula pronto and head off for breakfast, so he isn't thorough in assessing the placenta. Maybe he was salivating over black pudding with scrambled eggs at the tea room. <laughs> Luckily, Jacob the Wonder Vet spots this and equine death is averted. Shula finds a new angle for her probing, focusing on the effect the situation is obviously having on Alistair, as he wouldn't usually make this sort of mistake. 
She's worked out why Jim is so is is upset. So Al opens up to her about his worries that if Jim tries to put a lid on it without resolving the issues, it will come back worse. So we end the week with no big resolution, just the more promise of more to come next week. The end. Thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, a few corkers in there as well that Lucy would be uh, <laughs> proud of. Absolutely well, tough. yes, it, at least he didn't ramble on so much this time. I got, I got a, uh, I got a headmaster's note this morning. Uh, oh, did asking, you? Yes, I did. Yes, a oh. little bit of a you know, word to the wise. You know, try and keep it under five minutes. <laughs> All right. Good luck. <laughs> Oh, well, we did our best. We did. We did we our did. best. Well, I wonder if we'll be lining up outside the office next week mm. for, a, for a thwacking. Yes. Listen, um, what I like about um, these roundups and, and the ones that Lucy does is it reminds me of, of what I've forgotten, if you know mm. what I mean. And one of the weirdest things this week that leapt out at me and said, hey, what's going on there, was the way that Ian woke Adam up. Which seemed to be with a teaspoon on a glass. Yes, it was like this. I'm going to do my own my own spot effects now. It was like, yeah, Adam, Adam. I mean, you give him a good old shove, don't you? Especially, you know. <laughs> I'm sure it's not the only yes. rude awakening Adam's had in his time. I know, and then the way he just woke up and went, "No, no, no, I didn't." <laughs> <laughs> and if we were nearer Christmas and Panto season, we could all just say, oh, yes, you did. Because we do know he has. <laughs> oh, yes. Frequently. Oh, indeed. Uh, but Ian just uh, uh, didn't do that. I I decided in the roundup to leave all the uh, um, the souffle competition because people will get fed up with that over the coming weeks. Um, oh, gosh, yes. That's going to be uh, star of the uh, of the fate. How do you cook a souffle in a fl- at a fate? I mean, it's quite tricky. You've got you've got to have a kind of a, a windless atmosphere, haven't you? I mean, uh, one slight puff of wind and it, it could be deflated and all end yes. in tears. I thought the, the 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 key was not to open the oven until just the right moment. If you open it too early. Okay. It- it deflates. So yes, again, how they are they going to have ovens at the fate? I, I don't think it's been thought thought through. Yeah, I mean, you'd have you would need two ovens, mm. and where are you going to get a spare oven from? Are you going to wrench one out of out of one of the houses on the green to bring along? I have to say, all I, have you been listening to the uh, current series of of um, Dead Ringers? I have Friday, yes. yes. All yeah. I could think of, <laughs> they talked about it, and Hugh <laughs> <laughs> was the Michel Barnier uh, 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 chap who talked talking to Hugh Edwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's Hugh. Just, yes. Do you think we'll ever hear from Hugh? We haven't heard Hugh before, have we? Uh, he's a silent, but he's been around for a while. As has the, he? As, okay. Yes, at the at the lower locks, the uh, he's the chef over there. Um, okay, but you wouldn't think the chef there would be in the same league as uh, as Ian. So I don't know why he's worrying. Well, I don't know. He's obviously got the souffle knack mm. more than Ian. Who knows? Who knows? The other nice thing was to see Toby and Rex return. Now, I, I've kind of grown fond of 
Toby, I have to say. Yeah, I at first I didn't realise it was him setting up for the party, <laughs> and I wondered, hang on a second, have we got a new Toby? And then it, no, it just, maybe it just took him half a scene to get back into his Toby voice. Um, but yes, I've, I've missed. Uh, I've missed. I thought it was a lovely um, uh, day out that they had together, and that scene with the you know. Oh yes, I've almost forgotten the blindfold and um, the way he looked after Rex and the whole thing with um, the wedding, which had obviously yes. uh, knocked uh, uh, knocked Rex's uh, day. Finding out that uh, that she's only just gone up up uh, up north and is going to go and get married or off to the east. Up north, she's got, she got no, to no, Newmarket. She got to Newmarket. That's right. Her parents, her family comes. She'd been in Glasgow before, hadn't she? When uh, they were, yeah. Um, but uh, she went off to Newmarket, and that she's and someone uh, else on Twitter was saying uh, because it's <clears throat> she's been left what about a year now? Is it or is it that? that long? I don't know. Maybe about a year. Someone out there mm. will tell us exactly when she's left. Uh, Cosmo, maybe Cosmo will be able to tell us. Um, but um, <clears throat> sorry, I have to clear the old throat there. Um, but someone on Twitter was saying they really hoped it isn't an arranged marriage because you know of, of her her background mm. and it happening so quickly. But I I can't imagine that happening. Can you? I don't know. I don't know. No. It's, it, it's a thought, but no, I. I don't think so at all. I think she was always so um, forthright. When, when she knew what she wanted, she went after yeah. it. So she's obviously found someone that she thinks is uh, is marriage material and has just charged off yeah, and done she's it. found another doormat to walk all over. Um, and not that's not to say that all arranged marriages are bad. I mean, gosh, I mean, if anyone would like to arrange a marriage for me... <laughs> Are you open to offers then? Yeah, well, I think everyone should be open to offers. <laughs> it depends, you know, what's being put on the table. <laughs> the size of the offer is, is what counts here, Andrew. <laughs> Shula, yes. Now, Shula has been um, creeping her way into my sympathies, I have to say. Yeah. She, and I think we mentioned that last week, yeah. and it, I still find it extremely unnerving. To find her there, lurking. Yeah, she had a better week. I wasn't sure with uh, the, it was left ambiguous. Um, she went charging after Jazza to to um, to try and find out about Jim, but it was left ambiguous as to whether she'd remember whether she rushed out because she'd been reminded about Caroline's death and whether she'd actually remembered or not. Um, I thought that was left nicely ambiguous i I thought it was lovely to have crusty back although uh, she's obviously uh wants something to do with her life and missing the job satisfaction uh and um and has this um interview coming up the only thing that worries me is that it does then make her dependent financially dependent on philip he's quite happy for it but whether she will end up feeling trapped um, I don't know. I suppose we'll just yeah. have to keep listening to find out. And we had a similar story maybe last year or the year before uh, between Harrison 
and Fallon, because Fallon was worried about not being able to contribute to the purchase of Honeysuckle Cottage, not Woodbine Cottage. Yes. Um, but, you know. And also didn't want to marry him because she couldn't contribute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I said, I'm open to offers with anyone who's got a nice uh, Oxford property, <laughs> three bedrooms plus. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not that fussy about looks. The house has got to look nice, but y- you can be below average, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, Lillian's party. I'd quite like to have been at Lillian's party, wouldn't you? Yes. I mean, apart from the craziness of, you know, she she would have invited her. She would have invited. Well, I I think that a piggy played a played a blinder. Um, uh, but she would have invited. She would have invited her family. Um, I mean, Tony was glad not to have to go, which is which is fine. Um, and what was the other thing I thought was a bit strange? Oh, it was the following day when she was talking about. Oh, I need to sit and put my trotters up. Um, this seems oh. to be something that's not a Lillian phrase, and it's something that's been sweeping the BBC uh, ever since um, the chap who plays in EastEnders, uh, the landlord, and his rant at camera and sticking his trotters up. Uh, oh, the, yes. Uh, on the French Riviera last year. Um, that trotters up phrase keeps popping up. They're now using it. He's now, his character is now saying it quite regularly in EastEnders and we've now got it coming across to the Archers. It's well, maybe that's a- where Lillian's picked it up. She's a, she's an avid EastEnders viewer. Didn't you know? Yeah. Well, maybe she is. Yeah. yeah. Now we, we could talk about, um, Jazza and Alice, but I think we have a call a yes. bit later Let's on. Let's get into the calls. Hello, Ambridge3962. First call is a mysterious Melbourne person who didn't leave their name. Uh, In the excitement of calling. Yeah, exactly. Hi, Dumpty Dum. Um, First time caller. A long time listener. Not as long as some, though. I've probably been listening... I'm just trying to work out what was happening when I first started listening. I remember Jazza was being um, contacted. My first episode was uh, Jazza was receiving text, unwanted texts from a woman who was pursuing him um, and he was ignoring her texts. I remember that being the first ever thing I listened to and I was um, came to the Arches when I was living in England uh, about 11 years ago. So I'm 39 years old. I live in Melbourne, Australia and um, I'm a transgender person. Um, non-binary and I was so why what inspired me to to call in today was that I just it's been such a pleasant surprise to find this podcast I'm such an avid Archers fan and have been as I said for 11 years and I had always assumed that all the listeners of Archers were very conservative people um, and that I would have nothing in common with the people that listened to it and that I would be sort of an outlier as far as listeners went. But having listened um, to the people who have called in, having heard uh, Nigel talking about having a pride meetup in New York of Dumpty Dum listeners, I was like, wow, this is a community 
I hadn't realized that I would have so much in common with. And also just not just people who are part of the LGBTI community, but other callers where I've been like, oh, wow, I love what you have to say. And so it's just been such a pleasant revelation because this has been such a um, something I have done very solitary uh, and I've never been able to meet anyone who also listens to Archers living in Melbourne, Australia, um, except for my mum, who was a listener. Well, thank you very much, mystery Melbourne person. Mm. Um, it's so nice to hear that, isn't it? It is. And now we have another another friend for Millie Bell. We do. But, well, our mystery person in Melbourne is so used to doing it in secret, so to speak, that you know, maybe they want to keep it that way. Who knows? Maybe. maybe. I mean, I... It took me a long time to admit to people that I listened to The Archers. I suppose I've always just grown up with it, listened to it See, when I, I was haven't. at school. I mean, and, yeah, I mean, I did used to listen with headphones on when I was at school rather than uh, playing it out loud. Did you go to a boarding school or what, mm. did you... So you were sitting in your dorm and you're listening on headphones? I listened from when I was 13. Yeah, so when I went to my senior school. Oh, um, yeah. I am a late starter in in many many things. <laughs> Got an awful lot of catching up to do. Well, thank you, uh, mystery Melbourne person. And I think the we're not being rude. Just point out yeah. in cutting, uh, cutting you off. Um, it says there's a two minute limit, and uh, it just stops. Yeah, they knew but that. Do in call fact, in. Um, I did. I did edit a little bit. Um, and there was like one second that came after that. And he said it, it made much more sense to say, oh, uh, and my mum listened, and then I jump in at the end. And there was a couple of bits that I, I edited to squeeze that together, but it was the most important bit was that, you know, and I don't really – sometimes I cut off the praise at the end. You know, I redact the praise, so mm-hmm. to speak, at the end of calls because it feels a bit – I don't know. I don't – I mean, I don't mind having my trumpet blown from time to time, but not every call. But please don't stop saying you like the show, but you know what I mean? But um, I just thought that was such a nice bit of praise yes. that we just had to just, get that in at the beginning. It's lovely that it is about the Dumpty Dum community. Yeah, we, yeah, we've seen exactly. it before. We we we, we saw it uh, the first time. I was really aware of it was Emily in Paris when the uh, the terror attacks were there, mm. and all the support that she had on on Twitter. And then she called in about it, and it, it there have yeah. been several since when when uh, caller inners are um, in a, in a bad space, and everyone rallies around them. So I think it's it's it is brilliant. Yeah, we good work. It's, it's you guys yeah. out there that do that, not yeah. us. We just sit here rabbiting on. Shall we hear from young Keith? Yes. I think he's got um, a plot prediction. Hello, young Keith here once more. I'm just calling with a brief plot prediction um, based on Miss Piggy and her reaction to Emma's sort of nasty little comments, I suppose you would say, about it being a closed competition just for the archers. And I wonder if she did strike a chord there. And I wonder when Ed does finally get uh, sent to prison, which I'm sure will happen because I'm sure they'll find that stuff, whatever it is, in his in his barn um, before it gets cleared out. And I'm sure it'll be taken. I wonder if uh, Piggy will change her, her her thinking and invest her money in fact in getting the grundies free 
paying the legal costs and bail, etc. Uh, call me mad, but I could see that happening. Anyway, all the best. Been very much enjoying the show lately, so thank you very much. I think he just means last week was really good. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, well, thanks for your compliments, but I think you're talking absolute balderdash, young Keith. I mean... <sighs> Ed's not going to go to prison, is he? He can't go to prison. We can't have well, another yeah, we had jailbird last week. I think I, I don't. I, I agree. I don't think that Peggy would uh, put money their way to help fight legal bills. I could see her taking pity on Emma and trying to get more put more work her way. Um, but I just. Um, I don't think I haven't changed my my view since we talked about it last week about uh, where we sort of came to an agreement. I think that it will be more; it'll be a shot across their 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 relationship bows uh, yeah. and might cause them some difficulties, but um, it won't end up with him going to prison. No. Uh, the other intriguing part of that call is why was he calling live <clears throat> from the on ramp to the M one? At Watford, it's, <laughs> maybe you didn't hear that, but there was an awful no. lot of traffic noise. Ah, oh, wow! Very interesting where people choose to do their their caller in a ring. Very maybe he was uh, suddenly responding to Royfield's request for some more calls. I just thought maybe. I have to get it in now. Maybe, maybe. I th- I would like to uh, make a plea for people to um to send their calls from the most interesting and unusual places. <laughs> From around the world, okay. And is that is is that a link to an exotic location coming up next? Um, kind of. Although, well, I'll let I'll let you I'll let you be the the judge of that. Here's Steve. Hello, Dumpty Dum. This is Steve, originally from Southampton, but now Cincinnati, Ohio, USA. On the twatters, I'm mouldy old doe. I've been a long-time listener, and this is an attempt at first-time caller in a ring. Timeline-wise, I could claim to be David Archer. My dear late mum used to bounce me on her knee while listening to the Archers coming from our rediffusion rental radio in the kitchen in the late 50s and early 60s. Hmm. But, more realistically, I think I am Freddie and Lily. Due to a burst of midlife crisis-esque nostalgia in 1999, when I started downloading (coughs) probably dodgy illegal streams of the show, this was an attempt to try and stop myself from being homesick. I really began enjoying the storylines and gentleness of the programme. Being able to obtain them as easily as I do now warms the very heart of my cockles and it always forms part of the soundtrack to my regular early morning constitutional around Cincinnati and its beautiful riverfront. This is my mouldy old plot prediction. I think the Gills will turn out to be the criminal masterminds that have Tim and Ed under their cosh. I think that Home Farm was bought with laundered cash and has been the Gills' centre of operations while they've been doing their dirty work in and around Ambridge. When they move on to another area, they will either abandon it, leaving it in a disgraceful and unkempt condition, or they will burn it to the ground to hide any evidence. (laughs) Either way, Jennifer's beautiful kitchen will be no more, leading her to drink or possibly heroin. Anyway, that's mouldy old me for now. Catch you all again later. Bye. (laughs) I think the kitchen's already been ripped out. 
Has it? Yeah, they, they, they oh. talked about they talked about it uh, being uh, in the backyard or something, yeah, and not being in good taste. Oh, but I, I certainly hope part of that is <laughs> going to come true. Which part, oh. Jenny on heroin? No, oh gosh, no. Mm. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wish that on on Jennifer. I mean, can you imagine her going cold turkey? She wouldn't have cold <laughs> turkey in the house, would she? Only on Boxing no. Day. Well, quite perhaps. No, she's a, definitely a goose woman, isn't she? Ooh. For Christmas. <laughs> I had. I, I did have the context. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I would quite. I quite like that idea that they are they're, they're criminal masterminds, and and then they'll burn the house down to hide mm. the evidence. Oh, we ha- yeah. Mm. I'm getting a little too overexcited about this idea. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I didn't listen to the whole call, can't you? The first time around <laughs> when I was doing all the the editing and patching, yeah. so it's quite a long, quite a long call. I thought, oh, he sounds all right. He sounds like he's not going to make any ums and ahs or or do anything silly in the middle. So I'll trust Steve, but. Certainly caught me out there, didn't you, yeah. Mr. Cincinnati, Ohio? Goodness me. Now, speaking of glamorous, far-flung locations, we go even farther west in the United States to Hawaii. Have you got your grass skirt on? I might have. Okay, well, <laughs> I can hear a faint rustling in the background. <laughs> I wonder what that is. Here's Claire. Aloha, Dumpty Dum Ohana. This is Claire from Hawaii. I'm just following on from the conversation that Robert and Lucy were having um, maybe two Dumpty Dums ago uh, with regard to the child actors. Yes, their voices are incredibly unrealistic. Um, Henry's about two months older than my oldest son and my oldest son is like way more eloquent than Henry. Anyway, um, maybe part of the explanation is that I vaguely recall an interview Uh, with Louisa who plays Helen and she was describing how the child actors and the adult actors do not record their lines together there's some kind of bizarre rule where they have to do it separately so she was describing um, how hard it was to you know be talking to Henry when he's not actually there so that may be part of the reason as well but I mean I agree they need to get child actors who are the same age as their characters because they just do sound really childish for want of a better word it's like they go from being really childish to like suddenly all grown up anyway there's my tuppence for today (laughs) hope everybody's well and um yeah that's it really bye for now thanks claire and what a lovely tuppence it was Mm. um I think that my take on that is I don't think it's the actors, the adult, fully-fledged trained actors that have a problem responding to a character that's not there because I mean, that's part of the training, isn't it? You see that happens so much in, in films these days. I think it's the isolated reciting of the lines by the children out of context that sounds really weird when it's dropped in. Mm. So do you think it would be easier for the children if they were if they were there and and actually having a conversation. Because presumably all the children are doing are recording individual lines into a void. 
which yeah. must be really Whereas, hard for them. Hmm. Whereas you could, well, they must be doing it to, or acting to another person in the studio, surely. But I think it's because it's such a f- an odd situation to be in a radio studio. There's there's nothing to take your cues <clears throat> from. Um, it's probably a long and laborious process for children so that there's not that excitement of being on stage uh, and they, they probably are just given a list of things to say okay mummy all right mm. sorry mummy I, I think the fact why don't you shagly anymore mummy <laughs> things like that <laughs> have you been listening uh, in advance to next week's storylines <laughs> <laughs> no I've, I've i was paid a day fee to go and record henry <laughs> Up in Birmingham at the mailbox. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's, well, I think, like I said, the adult actors, fine. But it's, it's yeah, the kids, it must be quite tricky for them. There, there might be a better way around it. I don't know. I'm sure that the, the powers that be, the producerettes, et cetera, will be, will be you know, thinking on our, our choice words about, about that, definitely. Let's hear from James now. He has, um, well, I've, I've got a, a reaction to what James says, which we'll find out about in a moment. Hello, everybody. Uh, James here. This week, I actually listened to the Omnibus episode. I listened to it on Sunday evening rather than the usual kind of nightly episode. And what it really showed to me is that an hour and a half of the Grundy family is way too much. I realised why I can only do it in 13-minute bursts. Emma moaning on about how everybody's entitled and privileged is dull. Poppy, I know she's a child, but let's be honest, this is a sheep. There are lots of sheep in Ambridge. Feel free to go and find another one. (laughs) Will moaning on about the way other people are parenting his kid that he can't look after himself is incredibly ironic. And Jazza and Jim. I know that Jim's storyline is horrific. Everybody is aware of that. Everybody accepts that. But the way that Jazza spoke to Alice is is completely unacceptable. If we're being if we're being honest, yes. Compared to what Jim went through, Alice's experience of a stressful day at work seems inconsequential. But A, Jim is not broadcasting what happened around the village, so she's not gonna know that. And B, everybody has their own issues in life. That shouldn't invalidate it. It's like, if I have a difficult day at work, well, yeah, it doesn't matter because somebody somewhere in the world is going without food tonight. There may be a first world problem, but it is still a problem. Anyway, speak soon. Bye. James, I I agree almost 100% with what you said there about everyone's problems being their own problems. But I don't know how you can't agree that Alice 100% deserved that tongue lashing that Jazza gave her. Don't you agree, Andrew? I think Alice, if someone had uh, sat Alice down uh, when she was growing up and uh, stopped her being a spoiled princess, then uh, then yes, she, she does. Uh, she has lost all sort of uh, uh, grip on reality, really. Um, but where I do agree, agree that it was wrong was I think if Jazza had done it in the pub um, mm. then but he did it in the workplace, in his workplace so I I, I can see why Adam then uh, asked him to apologise because 
it's in 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 the workspace and he has a sort of duty of care to anyone there even though alice isn't an employee but um i just i thought it was inappropriate there but that just mm-hmm. that just shows it's jazz's instinctive reaction and just shows how much he's bottling it it up and um and the effect that the whole storyline is having on him. So I think a lot of it was really to get over um, the effect it's having on Jazza as much as Alice being her usual drama queen. Yeah, Jazza does seem to be uh, a man on the brink, so to speak, I think. And I think looking ahead, I I wanted to re-listen to some shows, so I went on to Sounds and just uh, put in The Archers, and it's brought up a load of shows for over the next couple of weeks uh, at least the, the titles of them which is bizarre um and it looks like this is going to the the, the jazza uh jazza coping or not coping is going to be something that keeps coming back for a while um, okay but then we had oh. so but we we did have uh we've had one email in this week shall i just okay. put it in here because this yeah, shows this is a different reaction to jazza speeches from kitty Kitty Prickett, uh, subject Jazza speech. Just listened to Tuesday's episode and Jazza gave the best speech I've ever heard. It was so heartening, especially to the pretentious irritant that is Alice. <laughs> so then Adam's response of trying to make him apologise made me actually dislike Adam rather than the usual bored indifference. Go on, Jazza. My prediction is it inspires Alice to quit her job and become a fully-fledged booze hound. Loads of love, Kitty. <laughs> That poor, goodness me, it seems like we're wishing that entire family to go down the drug addiction and abuse <sighs> line. I mean, come on. I think but, there's something still, an unresolved plot line with Alice's work in terms yeah. of why she is, she's always feeling that her boss is going to sack her or, or so what, why she doesn't have any sort of, uh, uh, sense of that she's adding value she's obviously no sense of of worth in her work and yet we hear that you know the presentation went really well um she got some great feedback but she's very insecure about her work where she's not insecure about anything else in her life and that that's something that's come back a few times over the last year or so but we don't know Hmm. why we didn't know whether I think at one stage we thought she was being bullied at work yeah. or that she was having an affair with someone at work or something, you know, all sorts of stories going around, mm. but we don't know. We don't know what it is, but there is something at price Bauman that isn't not making it a happy place for Alice. No. Mm. Maybe she just has imposter syndrome, but it could be, that it's quite a toxic environment, mm. you know. Especially, it would seem that it would be a a male heavy work environment, and um, some blokes think banter is a different thing than women do. If you see what I mean, so it could be that I don't know. But yes, you're you're, you're right that she seems to be very confident in every aspect of her life except work. Hmm. Well, I hadn't thought of it that way before. Mm. Hmm. Now, we did forget to um, read out a missive 
regarding uh, the is it regarding the legal implications of the yeah. of piggy's environmental competition yeah so after last week um i i saw something on on twitter with uh, with auntie Annie, uh and it looked like she was expressing a you know had some some uh, professional knowledge so i actually asked her if she would um give us her thoughts on on piggy's trust uh, escapade so uh, she has mm-hmm. indeed sent us this so, hello i'm annabelle auntie annie on the twitters very long time listener for a long time i thought i was a graham who was a chef but royfield thinks i imagined that so i will have to revisit my archer's provenance as a trust lawyer i just can't understand what exactly piggy has been advised to do Without wishing to bore my fellow Dumpty Dumbers to death, there's an answer to creating a purpose trust that is complex and expensive. My concerns are the restrictive pool of potential recipients and the prize itself. The administration costs and tax consequences are likely to be disproportionate to what she is giving away in this case. Normally, trusts and foundations doing this sort of thing have millions to give away and, of course, are giving to genuine charitable purposes. Clearly not the case here. Piggy would be much better off investing properly in one or all of the family businesses. There are some more obvious tax reliefs and, of course, not as many arguments. But where is the fun in that? Hmm. It all leads me to agree with Lucy that this is a clumsy vehicle to shoehorn sustainability into a storyline. So thank you, uh, Annie, for clarifying that. So we now have it. Um, and another one of the great things about this uh, Dumpty Dum community is uh, is we have an expert for everything. Yeah, free legal advice. <laughs> Can you get me off my uh, speeding ticket, anyone? <laughs> I, I was on roller skates going down the Cowley Road at the time, but still they say I'm liable. <laughs> Absolute disgrace. Shall we hear... From another regular who offers sage, expert, professional advice. Yes. Mr. Witherspoon. Greetings, Robert, Andrew, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. We're approaching the peak of summer in the northeastern United States, which I like, but my British husband doesn't. Go figure. So all three of us are sitting in the air-conditioned living room, and I'm pondering Jim's behavior this week and his short-term flight into health. This psychoanalytic term is often attributed to Freud, but there's no evidence that he coined it. He did develop the theory of and name the term flight into illness. Actually, in terms of analytic theory, Jim exhibited symptoms of flight into illness followed by a flight into health. As I noted last week, his confusion and memory problems, a brief expression of what today we call pseudo-dementia, Freud would have called a flight into illness, quote, an attempt to escape from unacceptable feelings or conflicts by developing neurotic, psychotic, or psychosomatic symptoms, end quote. Then Jim very quickly picked himself up, dusted himself off, went around apologizing to people and pronounced himself cured, a flight into health, a way to avoid therapy and a look at the underlying issues causing him stress. But by the end of the week, that neurotic defense was cracking. I don't think he'll be coping well this week. 
following what I said last week about Alistair and Fiona, I wasn't surprised when she showed up feeling shut out from the Jim and Alistair dyad and looking for some answers. I also want to give some love to Shula here. Without her gentle pushing and support of both Jim and Alistair, none of this would have come to the surface. I like the fact that she's a mixed bag, though I'll never forgive her for lying for Rob when he assaulted the Hunt Disruptor. Anyway, you may not hear from me for a couple of weeks. Holiday followed by moving my mom into an independent living place. Talk to you soon. Thanks. I, I I'm always floored by uh, <laughs> the technicalities of of Witherspoon's explanations of what's going on. It, it's almost like the people at at scriptwriting headquarters know what they're writing about. Well, they do take a lot of um, advice, don't they? Hmm. So, uh... so they don't just have an agricultural advisor. They they now have. Uh, do you know? I I think maybe Witherspoon is advising them on the sly. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'd, I think so. he'd delighted in having a fee to do that. Um, but there's I, something he's not telling us. <sighs> I tell you, <laughs> no, they would have done in, in the same way that with the Robin Helen storyline, they took uh, specialist advice. Um, and that helped the way they did the uh, the play out of that storyline. They will have uh, done the same here about the impacts of and the effects of abuse and how different people um, play it out, uh, come to terms with it or bury it. Um, so, uh, yes, um, as always, I agree with Witherspoon. Absolutely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And now let's sit back, kick off our manure-encrusted wellingtons and relax with our veteran social media specialist, Mr. Yokel Bear. Hello, Dumpty Dum, it's Yokel Bear. Oh, that didn't work. Hang on. Hello, Dumpty Dum, it's Yokel Bear here, calling with the social media roundup for the week. We started the week when Dumpty Dumber Dave Richardson um, asked... 
I think after Jim's traumatic revelation, most people would have thought uh, thought to themselves, that explains a lot. I can't help, help wondering how long the scriptwriters have been holding on to this. Has his hidden abuse always been part of his backstory, or are they looking for a character that will fit the story? Good question, Dave. Um, and... Caroline Newnham said, I think it's been factored in for a long time. I think the religious aspect of his abuse situation made Jim the long-term antagonist against Shula's religious belief. Do you know, Catherine, I'm not actually sure that I agree with that. I think um, Jim's always been a kind of real logical, academic kind of facts-based person. And I think of all the characters to 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 be kind of a real hardcore atheist i think that's the one the script writers he's the one the script writers would make uh the 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 kind of outspoken atheist so i'm not sure whether it's to do with uh this current storyline fafri posted do you know it matters not the script writing is masterly and yeah i agree with that as well i think this the writing uh for jim has been absolutely brilliant However, not everyone agreed. Cosmo, our very own Cosmo, posted, It's clear from the BBC website that a new producer has imposed this nonsense on Jim. Retcon of the worst sort. Cosmo, I kind of agree in the fact that if there's a new producer and they've come up with a new storyline, I can understand that. I wouldn't necessarily call it nonsense, though. I think this is an issue, isn't it? It's an issue out there in society. And I think it's just another issue that the, uh, the archers are tackling as part of things that are being discussed out there in society, maybe. I don't know. However, our very own Witherspoon um, asked people, what do you think of the sudden resolution of um, Jim's trauma? Another case of Archer's miracle cure, or will his symptoms reoccur? Judith Lawrence said, I don't think this is a sudden resolution. Jim has had some momentary relief over his bacon sandwich. Um, Can I just say, I think in in many circumstances a lot of people have had momentary relief over a bacon sandwich um but anyway what Jude goes on to say given how well other stories have been con- uh, covered dementia coercive control and so on subtly over extended period uh, periods why wouldn't this be treated any differently and yeah i think a lot of uh, seeing some stuff on twitter as well people were really kind of thinking well this is going to be kind of a long road isn't it and i think he's going to have good moments and good days but i wonder what's coming in the future ted curtis agreed with uh judith but said agreed alice's alcoholism however dot 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 yeah that's the one that's lurking in the background you know it's just we all know she's got a problem uh but i guess ted they just haven't got around to it yet maybe christmas maybe that's be the christmas one However, Paul Morris said, the Grundies are about to explode. Death, prison, shame. Jim may have to go on ice for a while. Um, yeah, I fear for the Grundies. And this is where I'm going to get all class war later on. Um, I think think we're going to go through the working class characters taking a bit of a whipping again. um, Whilst... 
people like Alice are worried about their presentations. Uh, but more on that later. Now, Joe Edwards made a point where um, uh, they said, Jazza needs to wind his neck in. It's not about him or his outrage-finding event. It's about Jim and his needs. Yeah, I think that's true to a certain extent. But that did lead on to another question that we asked this week, where I posted... I felt some sympathy with Jadza this evening. Uh, that was when he shouted at Alice. Yes, it's born out of his anger at what happened to Jim, but Lord knows that needed saying to Alice, or am I just being unfair? And it seems most of you thought I wasn't being unfair. Jane Bushen said, Jazza is by far my favourite character. He can do no wrong. Janice Betson said, I agree with you. Jazza said what needed to be said. Rachel Daniels said, I'm totally biased. Jazza can do no wrong. Um, whilst Paul Norris says, I was cheering him on. I used to like Alice, but lately she's turning into a Kate clone, which she is. She's like Kate with spreadsheets. But you see a theme uh, emerging there from the comments, which is that basically, to Dumpty Dummers, Jazza can do no wrong. If you disagree, prove me wrong. Now, my comments of the week really do need to go to Kelly Crocker Vero, um, who really, so, well, a series of comments on this thing about Jazza. And I think her first comment started with just this one sentence, and I think it speaks for the nation. Adam is an insufferable prick. <laughs> Can we say prick? Oh, you just did. Royfield, yes. You might need to edit that out. Kelly goes on to say, that whole scene was me, me, me with Rory. Me, 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 Alice. Me, 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 Adam. Just dreadful reeling. Can we do a rain dance to bring some shit luck on those idiots and let the underdogs win for a change? Yes, 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 because I have been a cheerleader for the Grundies ever since I've been listening. However, Kelly goes on to... Um, I think this is really insightful. Um goes on to say there's been this ever-growing schism between the haves and have-nots the archers is more faction driven now than it ever was uh discussing particularly last night's episode we concluded that if you are old money or have money in stroke intelligence you can afford to buy think or be guided out of your misery elizabeth probably jim but not will and jazza spirals down like a dervish from drama to drama um, and the Aldridges are effectively the gills. There's much talk in the village about this mythological new family um, who cause drama and rip out kitchen sink uh, sinks. Yeah, where are the gills? I mean, Christ, where are the gills? Um, they came along, they had a party, and there's nothing from them since. But I think what Kelly was saying there about the Grundis, I absolutely agree with. I think we're setting it up that there's lots of things going on that are going to get probably magically cured in the way that it does for the 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 Aldridges and the Archers, but the Grundies, they'll just go from, you know, from crisis to crisis to crisis. And even though, you know, I think Ed's being really, really silly, um, at the end of the day, doing this toxic waste or toxic chemical run um, is born out of the fact they're just poor as shit. That's why. <laughs> um, so, yeah big fan of the Grundies. I really hope they don't come a cropper, but of course they will, because this is a kind of bit of a class-based drama, isn't it, when you think about it? 
Also as well, talking of um, Ed and Will and everyone, um, we asked this week, who were you more happy to hear from, Toby and Rex or William and Ed? Because we had, like, the brothers episode. It was like, game of two halves, two sets of brothers. I will say, though, actually, I did, um, I did agree with Will a little bit about Ed and the chemical run thing, a little bit. Christ, I agreed with Will. I'm about to sit down up as hot, sweet cup of tea for that. Now, the interesting thing about the reply to this is just a lot of love for Rex. Um, Dave Richardson said, let's just have a nice storyline where life works out nice for Rex. Yes, I think so. I think that's... Yeah, I yeah, Rex deserves something. Um, Alison Brelsford just posted Rex and that emoji with hearts for eyes. Angie Rafter said, Toby and Rex for sure. Will Willowhead make me want to punch someone? Restrain yourself, and uh, Angie. Claire Taylor said, Heart emoji, Rex. Just thinking, podcasts are not the best medium for emojis, are they? Anyway. Whereas Drew Hamilton said, I was happiest to hear from Anisha. <laughs> yeah. She got married quick, didn't she? Um, mm. Anyway, on that note, that's the end of the social media roundup for the week. And I will talk to you again soon. Bye. Thanks, Yokel Bear. Looks like we covered most of those topics ourselves, Andrew. Yep, I think we've uh, we've done a good one. Excellent. Right, time for tweet of the week. Right, here we go. A shorter selection this week. Kerry Warbis, Emma, is the coffee table big enough to house a family under? If not, <laughs> don't buy it. <laughs> Matt Underwood, I missed the I missed yesterday, so don't know what Ed did, but I still think Will is an ass. <laughs> true <laughs> a hologram of jesus um otherwise at susan s harrison does susan have a death calendar that's does susan have a death calendar so she can remind everyone <laughs> what when they're going to die yeah no well yeah uh <laughs> reminders of, of uh, um years minds i think is what they the church calls it ah um oh you mean with caroline yes Okay, sorry for interrupting. Yeah, sorry. Right. Uh, Moira Walton. I actually really want Lexi's baby to be Roy's and throw a paternity test in that damn bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> Which I liked. And tweet of the week uh, at Exeter Dormouse. Shula. Oh, Caroline, there's so much I want to ask you about. About how I can support Jim and whatever he's going through. About the calling I think I might have for ordination. About Adam. Can I stop you there, Shula? Caroline's tree is behind you. I'm not a tree. (laughs) (laughs) That one really uh, tickled my fancy. Thank you very much. Now, remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203031305. That's 0203031305 to leave us a message. You can find Yokel Bear at Dumpty Dum on Twitter. That's at Dumpty Dum. Andrew Horn is at Andrew Horn UK. And I can be found at Naked Fingers. And that, folks is that thank you very much andrew that was wonderful okay and just before we sign off and i I don't know when i'm going to be back but just to say for those of you who are patreon supporters i hope you've been enjoying the special with the actor who plays alistair that royfield released this week and if you're not a patreon supporter 
why not think about doing that so that you can enjoy it too? Yeah, pop along to uh, Patreon slash Dumpty Dum. And it costs something like a couple of dollars uh, a month, or is it per episode? A couple of dollars per episode. Yeah, but you can give more. And why wouldn't you? Because that helps us uh, buy uh, new pink headphone covers uh, so our ears don't hurt when we, <laughs> when we record this. And it keeps me in pens. That's it. Okay. Lovely Bye. to work with you. Bye. Lovely to work with you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.